0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Sutras here, uh, post-election, and I've got Steve Orlando with me. I only say it's post-election just to give you a time reference. Although, uh, some of the things that we talk about may seem like they're inspired by the election results, but really, when you think about it, uh, some of these conversations have been going on for weeks, in the case of, say, Chelsea Kane and uh, the brushback she got for uh, the Mockingbird 8 cover. Ask me about my female agenda, really? That's a big uh, point of contention. And uh, honestly, uh, there's been a uh, a response from certain people on the right that I guess now are being uh, labeled as the alternative right. Um, and and literally Breitbart.com, uh, Steve Banyan, who is, was John, Donald Trump's Donald Donald Trump's uh, you know kind of. Uh, chief uh, campaign strategist uh, Was the leader of Breitbart.com Until uh, getting part of becoming part of the election And frankly has been attacking uh, Comics And I think a lot of publishers' attempts To be more inclusive For several years now um, Attacks on Bendis' uh, Miles Morales And Riri Williams uh, And uh, You know, Jane Foster as Thor uh, A lot of these things and And really all you have to do is uh, Google search Breitbart and Marvel Comics and you're going to see a lot of uh, uh, um, article titles where I think, um, you know, again, it seems like the alt-right feels like they're being attacked uh, by, a, by an agenda. Uh, the only agenda I see is that, uh, you know, the publishers are responding to the audience saying, hey, we want to see more representation. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And Steve Orlando is a great example of that in his work. Uh, Steve... I mis- uh, 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 thought that uh, Steve was a, a, a gay gentleman. He is a bisexual gentleman, and um, he writes uh, an excellent uh, Midnighter and Apollo series currently for DC. He's also currently writing Supergirl for DC, and uh, starting in the new year, we'll be writing Justice League of America, and we talk about his lineup for that. Primarily, we're here to talk about Namesake, his uh, new book from Boom Studios. That uh, features a uh, a gay lead, a fireman, and I love the fact that it's a, a gay. Uh, a, <laughs> I love the fact that it's a fireman as the protagonist, as we talk about in the discussion. But uh, a, a guy that is going to uh, back to a, uh, a an alternate dimension and an alternate world to uh, bury his two fathers, the remains of his two fathers. Really interesting stuff, and again, I, I think it's uh, unexplored territory in comics to have that kind of protagonist, that kind of uh, father and son relationship. And, uh, you know, I, I think it just opens up new storyline possibilities and it's great to talk to Steve about that and about Supergirl and about Midnighter and Apollo and, uh, his, uh, his plans for the justice league, but also just this weird kind of, um, discussion that is going on. And again, I, I don't think it represents the majority, um, of either Trump supporters or uh, certainly not the comic book community that isn't of color and that isn't uh, w- women. And uh, I guess I'm saying that I, don't, I certainly don't think it's the, the uh, majority opinion of a lot of white males. And we just talk about how uh, the comic community responds to these uh, requests by its readers to have more representation. The pushback that we're hearing about. From the alternate right, lots of things in this conversation with Steve Orlando, primarily though and I'm proud to say about the comics themselves, the damn good comics Steve's a good writer, and it's uh, it, I'm really glad that he was uh, willing to uh, talk about uh, some of these things because again, they were just on my mind, and we really planned this interview well before the election outcome. so uh, this really isn't in response to the the coming Trump presidency uh, it's it really is just about what's been going on in comics and pop culture. I guess, as I shrugged saying, uh, since Gamergate. So, uh, shouldn't to get Steve's point of view, and I'm glad we had this discussion on today's Word Balloon. It's all brought to you by InStockTrades at InStockTrades.com. There are great books waiting for you right now at InStockTrades. Man, I am really glad that this Omnibus is coming out. Uh, one of my favorite Marvel black-and-white magazines of the 70s, The Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Well, they're now releasing them in Omnibus, and, uh, they have Shang-Chi stories. There are Sons of the Tiger stories. Iron Fist is in there. Uh, great writing, great art. Guys like Rudy Nebrez, George Perez, Jim Starlin, Paul Galaci. Uh, you know, really Doug Munch. Just tremendous stuff. Uh, they give you a Gabriel Del Otto uh, cover. And uh, this book is 50% off at InStockTrades.com. Only $62.50. You can also get... The Civil War II Choosing Sides trade paperback. Lots of great stories in there and uh, various writers and artists. Um, That is 42% off, just $11.59. You can get The Massive from Brian Wood, The Library Hardcover, Volume 2, Brian Wood and Gary Brown. Uh, It is uh, 42% off, just $23.19. There's Rocket Raccoon and Groot from uh, Nick uh, Kotcher, and uh, Mike Walsh uh, picking up where Scotty Young uh, left off, and uh, very great stuff in there. Forty-two uh, percent off, nine dollars and twenty-seven cents. And let's see, what else can we uh, give love to? How about uh, how about the unbelievable Gwenpool trade paperback, volume one? Chris Hastings and Danilo uh, Beirut. Uh, I hope I'm saying that correctly. And uh, <laughs> this is uh, a great trade paperback. Uh, off $9.85. Some of the fun stuff in InStockTrades.com. Plenty more. All you got to do is look up your favorite artist or your favorite writer, and you're going to find great books at great prices from InStockTrades.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your continued support via Patreon. Uh, Word Balloon is free, but if you want to help the cause, and I've got a couple more uh, new subscribers this week, thank you very much, and uh, welcome aboard, uh, if you can spare a dollar a month, 3 dollars a month, 5 dollars a month, uh the price of a comic book or even just a buck, uh it certainly is appreciated. It helps me get to conventions and meet new creators and make new contacts and uh, bring you the results and even uh, bring you some uh, panels when we're on the road and uh moderating panels uh right here on Word Balloon and keep the conversation going and expanding. And um you know, I love I love my my regulars, my go-to guys. And I'm glad that that uh, go-to list is expanding with uh, new relationships and uh, you've uh, gotten results like that this month and last month. And uh, thank you, League of Word Balloon li- listeners, for your support. If you go to WordBalloon.com and uh, click on the Patreon uh, ad, it will take you to our Patreon page. Can you hear the ambulance in the background? I'm in my apartment and uh, an ambulance uh, just drove by. I hope everybody's okay. But if you uh, if you click onto the Patreon page, it'll show you there how to subscribe to Word Balloon. Thank you very much League of Word Balloon listeners. You really do help uh keep this podcast going and uh, I'm very happy to uh present to you conversations like the one we're about to have with Steve Orlando. One last thing and uh because again uh as I'm recording this, I uh, over the weekend as uh, and, and probably in response to uh, some of the, you know, election results, uh a lot of creators are are doing some really interesting things. They are uh, letting it be known that when they make uh, money at conventions, they're going to be giving to some progressive charities. Uh, there are some uh, you know, other uh, creators out there that have already kind of let it be known that they would like to see the conventions donate um, to some progressive charities, uh, to some of the uh, causes that um, people feel like might be in jeopardy because of this change in administration and possible direction for this new Trump administration that's coming. There are a couple creators who have kind of made it known that they don't want to go to conventions in states where Trump won. And I don't think, again, this is my own two cents. I don't think that's a good idea because I go to a lot of different states that are both designated red and blue. And I've been in some very red states that have even as a state itself uh, made some very controversial choices. And all I can say is I've met with uh, conventioners that are not reflective of the majority voting of a state or a specific county. And I really think that uh, I hope these these creators think about that choice and don't deny the uh, fans that they have fans of color, fans of different orientation in those states that, um, you know, really do like comics. And, I mean, really, Steve and I get into it in the conversation as well, and I mean this, and maybe this is going to sound like white guy mansplaining, but I don't know. All I know is for, like, the 99% of us at conventions, we're all just happy to be there. There's a connection because we all like the same stuff, and there's a communal you're-all-welcome-to-the-club feeling. It's something that I've always genuinely believed in. And honestly, again, anecdotally, I can only say that it's something that I've seen, even in these states, that, you know, don't have my favorite people in the Senate or voted, you know, in a different way than I have did, as far as the majority. That doesn't mean that uh, there aren't I mean, the likelihood is those people aren't coming to the conventions. If anything, they're protesting the convention like we see sometimes in San Diego. And guess what? That's literally a handful of people – compared to literally the hundreds of thousands that come to these conventions and give it right back to them and say, no, sorry, we like this stuff. There's nothing wrong with liking this stuff, and uh, shame on you. So I-, I hope that that spirit and those creators will will think about it, and maybe they will in the months to come. Regardless, uh, enough talking on my part. I want to get to our conversation with Steve Orlando. I really enjoyed it. I hope you will as well. Here it is now. Steve Orlando, welcome to Word Balloon. Long time... Uh... Meaning to have you on, so it's a pleasure to finally get you on. Yeah, man, I'm excited to finally pop in. Congratulations on uh, on Namesake from Boom. I think it's a, a really great first issue. And uh, as I was telling you before we started recording, being an old musical theater fan, I immediately saw the, the Brigadoon similarity. At least that's that's where my mind went when we're talking about... Uh, well, you explain it, because it's, it's kind of uh, an alternate universe that... Only pops up sinking to Earth's universe occasionally.
1: Yeah, I mean, so Brigadoon is very apt. I mean, there's a, so far there's not a ton of plaid in the book, uh, but otherwise it is you know. But the book's not over, so stay tuned. Um, but it was this. It's something I've been toying around with for a long time, uh, and the the impetus of the book in some way it comes from two different places. Um, one of which has been revealed publicly before and one of which hasn't, uh, the first one is that, you know, I've been talking to Eric Harbour at boom since my book undertow came out, which is like four years ago now. Okay. And, um, and we were just looking for the right thing to do and, you know, and, and we couldn't find the exact right project and we spent years and years like working over these pitches and fine right. tuning them and running them up the flagpole. And then as with most things in, in, in media, they, they all got rejected but uh, one night in the middle of the night I had this idea of this guy that was carrying around these two urns over his back like Django uh, classic Franco Nero Django
0: mm-hmm.
1: and in uh, this sort of fantasy landscape and I just text harboring like giant urns and 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 he gets excited and 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 it started with this image of this guy this 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 Django character who was you know walking the the uh, you know the 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 primal wild west uh, with these urns over his back and and they slowly morphed into what you've seen in the book these sort of Ebola like weapons that uh, Jacob has turned them into and the other impetus that people don't know uh, is also comes from a late night text editors uh, back in the day uh, one of the guys I owe my career in comics to Will Dennis when he was at Vertigo we were also trying to get something off the ground and we're both like upstate New York guys so we have a very similar sense of humor. Cool. And, uh, and I had, you know, I just got into the office earlier in the day when they when DC was still in New York and, um, you know, fired off a bunch of pitches. And as usual, uh, will with the loving, but caustic, uh, knowledge that he has was like, well, these are all terrible <laughs> uh, which I respect, by the way, like, you know, I, I'm a no bullshit type guy. So, like, but I, as I return to my friend's apartment in Williamsburg and we're, like, knocking a couple back, I, I, I text Bill Dennis and I'm like, Rip Van Winkle 2, Rip's pissed.
0: <laughs> uh, was that a pitch?
1: Yeah, which I think was, like, Starship Potemkin instead of Battleship Potemkin. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, but for whatever reason, he was like, what about that Rip Van Winkle book, like, a month later? And I was like, okay. you got to be fucking kidding me here. Like, but the point is. Uh, is that that book was also this was where the idea of the Brigadoon stuff came in because the whole idea was that like you know Rip Van Winkle hadn't been asleep for however long fifty years he had actually been brainwashed for fifty years uh, by by people from you know a, another another dimension this this fairy dimension at the time and so. <clears throat> uh Rip did not come to pass for whatever reason. It could be that it was a book about Rip Van Winkle taking vengeance on aliens and it was sp- supposed to be kind of like like hipster Rambo, but for whatever reason it didn't <laughs> Go on. Yeah, uh, but the idea stuck in my mind, like, yeah, do I wanna like take revenge or do I want to make charcuterie? Like I don't know. But um anyway. Uh um it stuck in my mind so when we were building a world around uh Jordan Molasses in namesake, uh, is it, where those things kind of like came together because it's 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 2016 and we need to push past what people expect. So we can't just do Western with urns, uh, especially with my backlog of things like Undertow, which had a lot of world building. We have to go a little further and push a little more. So we brought together this this two worlds aspects and this long history that takes place long before the book starts and as I've talked about long after the book ends. This is a lived in world that we're stepping into for a moment. Um, and combine it with that imagery that I, I first talked to Eric with, about, and then and then you know brought Jacob in to
0: really give life to. Very cool. I I well I you know it's uh, I I first of all I, it and is it, it Jacob is the is the protagonist's name right Jake right? Uh, Jacob is the artist. Jordan is the protagonist. Jordan. Excuse me. Okay, because now I'm, I was confusing Jacob and Jordan. Jordan, I love the idea first of all that he's a fireman. And I don't think we use that enough, in, or we, uh, I, I'm not being a writer, I shouldn't say we, but I don't think that's used enough in comics because I really do think it's a great place to start as far as, you know, a, just a good job for a hero to have, a heroic person to have. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's cool to open up with that. But more importantly, too, is this is a father-son story of a different kind. And it's really great to see this kind of uh, story uh, from the perspective of of gay characters, and I think it, I think that's really cool. It's a father's son story, yes. Uh, yeah. And I don't. Do you want to go into that? As, I mean, it's in the first issue, but you know. Well, I think it's all about.
1: I mean, there, there's something I try to do in all my work, and you're right. We haven't seen Fireman a lot, as you said. That I was trying to rack my brain,
0: and obviously, there's Ash. Yeah, uh, that's it, really, and, and also uh, J.T. uh when he did his future Superman from that Batman Beyond era. Uh, when he decides to have a new um, earth identity, he becomes a fireman. Uh, I I did not know that, but that's yeah. a good idea. So, <laughs>
1: uh, so um, yeah, I like the idea. I, I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a res- highly respectable <clears throat> job. And it's one that uh, it requires an immense amount of work and toughness. And so it's all just like finding about, Uh, finding places that we can give people a little bit of what they expect and things that they don't that make them look at things in a different way. And that goes for Jordan's job. You know, like every tough guy in a book doesn't have to be a washed-up
0: MMA fighter or a cop to be tough. Right. Um, And willing to step into the unknown as a fireman (laughs) needs to do with every emergency.
1: No, exactly. So – And then it goes as well for the type of things that draw us into these revenge stories. You know, a lot of books I've done are revenge stories, and I think it's because it's primal and it's universal. Uh, You know, um, yes, in this case, Jordan is avenging the death of his parents, and his parents are two men, but it's much like my book Virgil, uh, which was also a revenge book set in a very different place. There are things that I hope through the medium of, uh, in my case, a lot of violence, uh, you know, bring people together, which is perhaps a contradictory thought, but again, it's fiction. And it's this idea that you might look at this book and say, well, I can't relate to Jordan's life at all. You know, he's got, he's, 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 uh, doesn't, he never knew his parents and, and, and he had two dads and all these things. But when you boil right down to it, uh, you know, it's it's something very primal. You know, he, he wants to uh, take care of his parents, uh, you know, less than what. In Virgil, it was, I have to protect the thing I love. And these are things that everybody does. The things that are, you know, like, ha- hanging on that narrative certainly change. But my hope is, when pick these things up, and it's, speak to why Jordan has two dads, uh, you pick these things up, you get an amazing, you know, hopefully creative, of an intriguing action story that you never forget and then you come away hopefully in addition to being titillated and excited uh, with this understanding that really the core of who we are is closer uh, to other people than we think even if we don't think we could ever relate to a person who doesn't look like us or live like us the things that really drive us are very similar so sure. that's the that's the that's the that's the peaceful heart uh, behind, um, you know, most of my work, which conversely ends up
0: being usually quite violent. <laughs> well, you do violent as well. Uh, no, I think I think this is a great start. I think uh, there's a there's a, almost a Tron feeling in a good way, uh, and I, I hope I, I'm a fan of Tron, so I say I say that as a compliment in terms of two going into this this alien environment um, as he does search for. I mean, is it? Are both dads dead, or is he res- searching for one of the dads that might still be alive?
1: Well, he certainly has got to bury, you know, he, he's got to bury both of them.
0: Uh, okay, urines the represent both of them. Excuse me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they should both be in there, right? Like, you know, you don't want to, much like Christmas, you
1: don't, you don't want to open the presents too early, you know, or things could go wrong, perhaps. But they should both be in there if it's all going to plan. So, uh, of course, we'll see if it goes to plan.
0: I see. Okay. Cuz um yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure. I was I was reading the letter from the father he I assumed it was a father he didn't know.
1: Well, both of them. Yeah. I mean, you'll find out a little more, but you know, this is this is it, it, it's a giant it, it's numerous rugs being pulled out from him at, at one time, you know. He thought he was abandoned by his parents and now he finds out that why you know he was but now he finds that there was a reason behind it and and on top of that just as he finds out that they 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 were around well now they're gone so there's a lot of you know hopefully there's a lot of whiplash uh which you know sort of drives his character as acting very impulsively as the as the story goes on you can see he just sort of does things uh in a very sort of heath ledger joker way but that's because he's so rudderless uh with with the sort of Napalming of his old life that happens in issue 1
0: got it okay is um <coughs> is this a limited series or is this an ongoing
1: uh it is it's a four issue mini series um i mean and but having said that uh, you know, like this is one moment in this world and i would gladly come back uh i would gladly come back and i would gladly work with jacob again um imdc exclusive which is important to say because this is my only creator owned book uh for 2016 i hope to continue to be able to do them um with the exclusive but uh you know it is it, this is i wanted to make sure that in addition to doing all of this superhero stuff we had some original content as well which is important to me because it's totally different you know the working style is totally different so i think one hopefully one feeds the other and the books keep get, getting better and better but we'll see
0: well, is, you know, yeah, I would imagine it is because you're in a connected universe, obviously, with DC. So this, this, I would assume, is more freeing in terms of you're able to come up with your own ideas. And it's really just, um, you know, the two of you as far as like what goes and what doesn't go in this world.
1: It's more freeing, but you're also more naked and out there as well. Like, let me say, like, uh, because you're building the foundation, right? And like when you're working on a, on a work for higher property, you're either polishing one of the bricks or you're putting new bricks uh, in this in this in this mansion but the mansion is 75 you know 20 30 40 years old depending uh, yeah, yeah. You know? so it, it's a totally different thing and there's different rules and honestly like so and, and as a creator continuity is also an interesting thing because as a, it, it is a huge challenge to do your your initial world building in a creator your own book the secret of comic creators is everyone thinks we have a plan but a lot of it is kind of just like a lot of it is kind of like backdating revelations because there's so many things that we can pick out and, and, and reference when a book has been around for 75 years and you say oh well yeah oh man he's been they've been planning this since 1931 well yes of course we have <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't even alive, but I've been planning something since 1963. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, there's different. There's 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 no safety net, but at the same time, there's no ceiling either on creator own stuff. So there, like I said, I think playing in different sort of creative styles, uh, it just makes all the all the work better, and it and it flexes different muscles. So I'm excited to be able to be doing both.
0: How is um, because you know I mean with. With gay protagonists, are are I mean, is is it out in, in terms of are you and and forgive me if this is an insensitive way of asking this. You know, does the community know? Oh, it's a Steve Orlando book. Okay, cool. Um, Namesake isn't out yet, correct? Namesake, uh, yeah, it landed today. Oh, okay. Excuse me. All right, fine. Because Mel sent me the advance, and uh, actually, I because he sent me the advance, I stuck up on my my Midnighter and Supergirl today. Um, so I, I didn't I didn't look for namesake because I already had it in hand. You know, you you've you've established yourself with other characters, certainly with Midnighter and Apollo currently and stuff. Um, you know, I mean, is this like is there is is there you know already a a, fan, a gay fandom that it's like oh awesome you know I want to grab this.
1: Yeah,
2: and I mean I'm sure there is. And it's, you know, it it's a tricky subject to, to respond to me being a gay writer because the truth is a lot of a lot of media doesn't actually and this is gonna sound like I'm shading you and I'm not. So I apologize. No, but, uh, I do not, like I
0: said, I like I'm doesn't I'm have, asking it in an awkward media, way. So go ahead. Well, yeah, I
2: mean I'm from Syracuse. Nothing is awkward. Uh but <laughs> go um on. But a lot of media doesn't actually like do quote, do uh, research. Uh, so I mean, it's funny because I've spent t- the ten years since I came out, stumbling for bisexuality, and then I do Midnighter, and you'd be shocked how many people uh, have decided that I'm the openly gay writer of Midnighter. And the thing about it is, there's obviously nothing wrong with being with being gay, but it's um it's interesting the assumptions people make. You know, I'd like to be identified correctly, since there's a ton of erasure within and, and tension
0: <clears throat>
2: against bisexual people from all sides.
0: Understood. Uh, and
2: this is not what you asked about, but it's just funny because people assume. You know, they always make a lot of assumptions about about creators of a book, and I understand where it comes from because they want representation and they want authenticity behind the book. And you know, I've I've been out for ten years, but it's just interesting to me because I once gave. I was once on a press junket and I spoke about this very thing in relation to my book, Virgil, and then someone who was at the press junket, about like two and a half hours later, did it to me. Um, after I said had a whole story about it, so it's just fascinating to me how people make these jumps. But the long, but the point is, it doesn't matter how you identify. Like it is all it is all valid and worthwhile. Uh, and I hope those people feel safe coming to my work and 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 um, and feel that I'm doing a service by them. I certainly, am well, working all the time to serve as many communities as possible. Um, and as I said as well before, we switched over like. I hope it crosses over into, into other communities. You know, these, these are books that are supposed to show us at the end of the day that we're more alike than we are different, despite Absolutely. what we might think. So um, I hope anyone feels safe picking up my books, and, and that's the real answer. I, I'm sure there's a lot of crossover from Midnighter. I mean, a book with, with a queer lead that punches people in the face, uh, wearing a black leather jacket, is certainly uh, has connectivity to a book with a queer lead that punches people in the face with a yellow leather jacket um so
0: well i Uh, i I appreciate the action i think you do action quite well um and i do think you are obviously serving more than one community because uh, that several communities because you know i i i've read your your three issues of supergirl as well and i think you know that's i think i think it's fantastic man and we'll get you know if we if we have time I, i wouldn't mind talking a little bit about supergirl but, um, well, I appreciate it. And the yeah. other thing I'd say about Supergirl right now is that like, it, it's exciting
2: for me when people come and say that they found the character again after a long time. But the most exciting thing to me, I don't say the most exciting, another extremely exciting thing to me is when people say they've never really, despite the fact that super characters are always sort of positioned as outsiders and immigrant stories is when people from underrepresented communities, so, you know, communities of color, things like that, say that they finally have sort of felt a connection to the character. Because, you know, the fact is, is that despite being an alien, Tara could certainly pass, and not only that, she could pass uh, as a white blonde woman. So, you know, we we I've tried to put things into her experience that, uh, you know, speak to that of uh, of people who are coming to a new place, a new country or a new world or a new job or any of those things. Uh, and sort of break down the boundaries of what she looks like. And it seems to have happened, so that's, that's very exciting for me.
0: Yeah, and I love that, and I wanted to get to that in terms of your depiction of Kara, that you gave her an accent. And and I love that, or you know, at least that's how people are obviously whispering about her at, at school and stuff. And I thought that was great, and I don't think that's ever been done before. So that was really yeah, a great I mean, wrinkle to go from, like you said, that white, you know, my, my favorite quote is, from uh, Dan and I'm sure he's not the only person to say it any silver age book if you've got characters on a bus going into an uh, you know an underpass or a tunnel or something and the scene goes black and all you've got is word balloons you'd have no idea who was speaking because they all pretty much were these like white blonde or brunette you know anglo well, I mean, we know, white, we know who characters. was speaking yeah absolutely that it, so, it, it was it was Roy Thomas <laughs> But, <laughs> well, at least, or Denny O'Neill, possibly, or you know, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but, that's, um, but no, that's what's really cool, and I think it is. It is great conveying the immigrant experience in that way to this blonde-eyed uh, blue, you know, blue-eyed blonde-haired girl. Uh, girl.
2: Well, and I, and I, well, and I, and I appreciate it. I will give credit where it's due. I'm not the first person to talk about a Kryptonian accent. I'm the first person, maybe, to do it the way I have, uh, with with the fact that she doesn't use contractions. And the fact that there is, I mean, I did create a whole, like, sort of semi-invented language for when they speak Kryptonian in the book. But the, the first person I remember, um, James Robinson, when he, was on, uh, when he was on either Action or Superman with Renato Guedes, uh, had people, he had Monel on there, and he had people saying that a Kryptonian accent sounded kind of like an English accent. Which obviously was somewhat self referential since James is English. But uh, but I, I, I liked that note. Obviously, we developed it a lot more. It always kind of freaked me out, or not freaked me out, but I felt like there could be more to do with the fact that largely when characters spoke Kryptonian in DC Comics, it was just English with a different alphabet. So. We moved on. Uh, we moved beyond from that as well, uh, and yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's it's a thing that it easily uh, that easily shows you that you know people are from around here, and we hear it all the time. So it's exciting. It's working. We're going to keep um, we're going to keep sort of developing that and some other things with Kara, <coughs> which will hopefully continue to build her experience. I was, I'm always really happy we can get things like that, things like her, you know, her sort of like list of foods she tries with her parents. Uh, because I just having lived out of the country for a while, like food is one of the best ways to get to know a new culture. So sure. absolutely, um, there'll be many food notes coming in Supergirl. Don't worry, people who read Midnighter and thought there aren't enough random shots of food in Supergirl yet—it's coming.
1: <laughs> Don't worry.
0: <laughs> That's great, and I, I mean, also your interpretation of the character fits well, obviously, into the TV show, but not not slavingly so. Um, you know, it's it's good to see kind of this beginning and 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 interaction with her with her parents and with her friends. I mean, you know, that's the strength of Superman, Spider Man, and the Flash and everything is not just the hero, but the characters that surround, uh, you know, the hero as well. And they've done a good job of it on the television <laughs> show. But I think, uh, it's I, I mean, you're really getting into the Danvers, and certainly in this uh, initial story with uh. The cyborg Superman, represented by uh, Zor-el, and 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 really all of Argo City, I loved. I'm glad you mentioned James's uh, involvement with Superman because really that whole New Krypton story, uh, it's weird how it's remembered. I I hung on every issue. I thought it was a great idea. I think it's really that whole counterculture thing of the hero experiencing what they do on Earth, and certainly Kryptonians in particular, and the life they left behind. In Superman's case in New Krypton, he had no. He really only knew the Kryptonian life almost from like a photograph and postcard kind of sort of way. Whereas Kara, because of when she left Argo city, like she's like, she says in your book and everything, I mean, it feels like it was yesterday and to have this kind of counter culture and, and resistance to these characters, but also when they seem to know who she is, that's great conflict, man. I I think you're really doing a great job with it. No,
2: thank you. I I mean, I appreciate that that it's, that it's connecting. I mean, to me, uh, to me, having Zorel Cyborg Superman is a, like a huge opportunity because it makes him, it, you know, and as we see the story go on, like, you know, he's only doing what so many parents say. Uh, of course, it's filtered through the fact that he's been turned into a killer robot, but he's given up so much. But he's given up so much. And, and uh, to me, it, like so many of the things in, in books, I, I crib from my own life, you know, like there's a line similar to Zorel's motivation. Um, you know, in uh, I think issue six of Midnighter, when 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 Matt's father just says, "Well, I don't, you know, I don't really care about other people; I just keep my son safe." You know, it's selfish. But so many parents, uh, you know, I, I think, including my own, have said things like that in the past. You know, like, we don't care what other parents do; like, you know, we care what we do. And and and, and at the end of the day, they they feel their obligations to put their kids first. And so. I think that makes zero hopefully very sympathetic because he's only doing, you know, what he thinks is best. He's only trying to make his daughter happy, which, like, what other obligation do parents have? But he's failed so many times, and he and he's so far down the rabbit hole of of, of mistakes that you know this is this is what he's got right now, and what he's got is a killer robot plan. You know, because <laughs> he's uh, this is. This is where he's at, and these—this is the kind had. The word desperation has led him. So, hopefully, he continues to grow in a way people like. I, I really feel that the the, the emotions behind it are, are are very are very very primal and, and again universal. You know, who what father wouldn't do anything to protect their daughter? What person wouldn't do anything to save the rest of their race? Uh, and and these are questions that that he wrestles with, and they're things that we think about. So. Um, and at the same time, you know, when does the, when does the coin flip between parents knowing what's best for their kids and kids knowing what's best for themselves? Sure. So I think that hope there's a lot of that at play there. And, uh, you know, it will, it will come to a head as most things do in comics with like, you know, large things blowing up. Uh, but the, hopefully there continue to be things underneath.
0: That's excellent. Man. And I, and, uh, to the, uh, you know, a Laura as well. I mean, you know, the mother is there. I mean, that, and and also, yeah, the kids probably like need at least. I mean, she certainly has feelings for her adopted parents and don't doesn't want harm to come from them. But by the same token, that you know, yeah, she wants to. She misses her old life, and 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 I think there is part of that also. Like, oh, you know, I mean, if the, if they are really in there, you know, in these in these robot bodies and everything, like maybe maybe there is you know a way to connect with them. It's I think it's great because, yeah, I I mean, as someone who's lost their parents and stuff, I mean, I kind of felt that kind of, oh, God, to to be able to speak to them, even if they were killer robots, (laughs) it would really be kind of cool. So and I and I love that part of the new Krypton story back when James and Rucka and those guys were doing it um, during that reign of the Superman, as opposed to the reign of the cyborg Superman that you're currently doing. I, I, I like it. I think it's definitely a different story but i can appreciate a lot of the basic human uh emotions that are in play here and i then yeah i think it's i think it's great man i think you're on the money with this and again i think it's it's nice to see a warm supergirl again cuz that that was something i i wasn't not to not to dwell on negative things but um just that notion that that came with the new 52 that both superboy and supergirl were kind of adversarial towards superman and it's like No, man, these are like family. I mean, they're they're literally the only family these people have. I mean, you can be angry and disagree with them, but at the end of the day, this is still your family. Well, I mean, and that's
2: actually a good segue uh, to what we were talking about with Namesake as well, because a lot of the core of that book is this concept of exactly what you said, like the the lengths you go to to accept and the things you do with the justification of, oh, well, it's family. You know, like how many crazy things do we do because it's family that we wouldn't do for anyone else. And, and and namesake is a lot about that, honestly. And again, of course, writ large over this fantasy landscape with, with big iron balls hitting people in the face, but it's really all about um it's really all about this concept. You know, like you find yourself making compromises and making choices when it comes to your family that, that we maybe would never make in any other situation. I find that really interesting.
0: I would agree. And also again, I see the 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 father son thing even in these two issues of Apollo and Midnighter. I wasn't I wasn't reading your Apollo or your Midnighter solo book, but reading the two issues and stuff. It's great to see Apollo go or Midnighter go to his father, and uh, we get some information in issue two uh, about where Apollo is and the tough uh, the tough deal that Midnighter's is about to face. Um, oh well, you got to read Midnighter, man. I kill someone with a stake in issue one, so you're missing out. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, honestly. I um I, I never read the Authority. I, it's one of those blind spots in the '90s or early 2000s when uh, when the others have written that excellent series, and I know it's I know it's great. I just I never got to it, and um I I just I like the ideas that start with the basic ciphers of heroes and the ability to change them because of of. The kind of people that they are. I mean, you know, um, Midnighter and Batman have a lot of similarities to them. I loved. Was it in your book while you were doing Midnighter? Didn't I see Nightwing and Midnighter kind of?
2: Oh yeah, we had a two-issue crossover. There's a fight in a in a, a team bath, which people enjoyed. Uh, well, they're in Russia, which is uh, that issue is probably the most Slavic thing. Oh, at that point, it was the most Slavic thing I'd written in my life. I lived in Russia for six months. And uh, when that came out, that was that had the most kisses blown uh, to to Russia. But I since went back and did something in American Vampire Anthology with my collaborator from Undertale, Arteo, who is at who lives in Russia still. Uh, that is currently the most Slavic thing I've ever written. But I enjoy doing stuff. I, do, I enjoy doing stuff. I mean, there's there's a weird sort of like melancholic romantic. On we uh, to a lot of Russian literature that I find very appealing. So it was nice to send Grayson and Midnighter there to blow it up, which is kind of what they
1: do, you know.
0: <laughs> very, very Eastern Promises moment. Uh, yeah, well, you don't actually see the bits, cause it's that's only, true. you know, <laughs> where, but but it is certainly
2: inspired by uh, a scene in Eastern Promises that I had bookmarked on YouTube. So yeah,
0: <laughs> that's awesome. man. so did you did you work directly with uh, King and Seely when they were doing uh, Grayson? when was it was it no. during Grayson, or was it was it a nightwing um with Sealy at that point
2: uh no it was during grayson yeah. uh we talk a lot i mean tom and tim and i are 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 pretty close um you know and we have a similar sense of humor so we and they set the table for Midnighter with his appearances in, in grayson um, <clears throat> so uh, yeah, I mean, we definitely shot things back and forth, but they're also very, very accommodating and very generous dudes. So once we, you know, I, you know, it's basically as much as can I, can I take Grayson to Russia? Is there anything I can't do? And, uh, which is often very little when it comes to Tim and Tom. And then, and, and then we just make it as fun as possible, you know?
0: Sure. Definitely. You know, I, are these are, are really, and, and, and including namesake as well are there markets and i and i guess i got to ask because certainly from the outcome of the election and it really seems like there's you know we're really dealing with a divided country right now are there parts of the country where or where you've had trouble getting midnight or an apollo out there or even namesake right now with boom i mean is has it been an issue in terms of getting it into stores in certain cities where the social mores may not be as uh, you know in, in the, on the same page as Well, you know,
2: maybe maybe there are, Uh, you know, and and the honest answer is I I don't know. But uh, but uh, but if there are, what I would say is that, you know, some books, I mean, that that is that would that saddens me, you know, but at the same time, but at the same time, um, you know, not all comics are for everyone. The important thing is that these comics exist for the people that that they are there for, you know, I mean, like, yes, I mean, I in a perfect world. Everybody realize. Everybody reads Midnighter or Namesake and realizes that you know punching people in the throat can bring us all together. But if if they if they don't, and as much as that saddens me, the bigger thing is, is that these books will continue to exist, and they must exist to to to, to serve what is a large base uh, of of readers that are are hungry for for stories where they can be the hero. You know, like and yes. and. and that's what they're there for. I, I, I hope as many people read it as possible. Um, I will say that I, I have done, I've had people buy Midnighter in states when I do signings that, man, I thought that I should maybe not put it on the table, but uh, I did, and and it went well, so you never know. I think I wouldn't forecast, I wouldn't forecast the election as a referendum on queer comics. Uh, I think that there's a lot more going on there, <clears throat> and, you know, maybe people's, priorities uh, are you know are, are different than mine or different than some people's, but I, I, I don't think that it's as exclusionary. I hope that it's not as exclusionary as, as some people are saying it could be.
0: Well, and I'm glad that publishers are responding to those requests of the readers that they want to see more representation uh, in in comics and I mean do you do you think it's getting better you know because I honestly I ask feminists this question as well. And I really, as dumb white guy who just wants to read a good story and everything, it seems like the publishers are listening and we're getting more product. And, it, and I'm never saying that the, that the battle is over or that the, you know, that you, there can never be enough. But, I mean, it's, it does seem like the publishers are responding. And, I, and clearly in Boom's case and I think in DC's case, they're putting their money where their mouth is.
2: Well yeah, I mean things are better, but as you said yourself, there's always a lot more to do. Uh, and there's always gonna be more to do until the until it's not a big deal yep. that these things are happening. Um, because you know, in the grand scheme, you know, when 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 you, when you go outside your apartment, uh, you know, commerce should look like what you see out there and, and I don't think we're there yet. Uh, but I think that you know steps have been taken, and 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 the market is changing. The how people consume comics is changing. We're sort of living in the uncanny valley of that right now. You know, people, um, you know, with, uh, monthlies and weeklies and Wednesday Warriors are extremely important to the vitality of a book, especially a creator-owned book that sort of lives and dies on those. Uh, if the if the creators you know want to be able to eat, but at the same time, you know, the people. Uh, sometimes don't feel totally comfortable going into comic stores depending on who they are and um, how people consume those books is changing whether they're using like dcbs subscriptions so they can get them at home or obviously digital or they're they're consuming in in collected editions Um, i think the readership is actually growing uh, but how they consume is changing and so uh, you know we're in the process now of, of, of seeing that the industry has to adapt to that and we're taking steps, and uh, but many steps more have to be taken, uh, because you're always balancing the fact that we have to meet these new demands, but, you know, especially in the case of creator and books, we need to eat, you know, we need to survive. So it's all about finding the way to, to get all those things done, and I don't necessarily have uh, the answer for that, other than we're going to keep trying things, and uh, uh, hopefully something will sure. we'll keep the things that work, we'll keep the things that work, and we'll move on to the things that don't.
0: Sure. No, absolutely, man. Is, um... Was there anything that you want to put in namesake that Boom's like, yeah, too far?
2: Uh, no, I mean, so it's a create your own book, so in, in theory, nothing other than the fact that, you know, we did agree on the rating, so that's the only thing, uh, you know, uh, and the same, so what I mean by that is, you know, it is a PG uh, book, and, you know, because this is America, that means that we can have exploding heads and hands getting bitten apart, but we can't have news <laughs> or people saying shit.
0: Yep, yep.
2: Uh, and you know, I can work within, I'm happy to work within those bounds because that's what we agreed on when we, when we, when we conceived the book. Sure. But within that, no, I mean, of course not. I mean, there's, there's, we're, we're partners in it and telling the best story possible. So there's very little boundaries besides the ones we agreed upon in, in doing a PG book.
0: Understood. Okay. How about in uh, midnight or in Apollo?
2: I would say the same applies, you know, uh, in Midnighter, we were bound and Midnight Apollo were bound by the same rules of, uh, of any other T plus book. I mean, we had, we had, we can show as much or as little, depending on your own views, uh, sex as you could in, in Green Arrow or Nightwing or something like that. Sure. And there's no double standard, at least that I've encountered. We can do as much as they could. That's and right. that said, you know, we can't do more, um, we are the biggest of the biggest struggle on midnight. Is the fact that all the artists that I work with are European and definitely don't understand why we can't show more asses. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> but we keep trying.
2: That's um, universal. I
0: can appreciate. <laughs> you
2: know, uh, but no, I mean they've been they've been super supportive, and I felt like that is important. You know, like it's it's funny you're talking about like what you know people. You know the people that just won't buy this book, well, maybe. But there's large parts of the community that don't know that, like, that gay men can have sex facing each other. So hopefully, people picked up *Midnight Apollo one and found out that was possible. Indeed. And if so, if so, I've done my job. There you go. Man. Um, <laughs> I can, I can, I can drop the mic and leave comics. I'm out. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> no, honestly, I think the intimate scenes are done very tastefully, and I think, uh, yeah, again, as. Dumb head or a white guy. But yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I think I think it's great. I'm glad that uh, we're at a point where b- the publishers are cool with that. And, 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 I, and I'm glad. And I think the readership deserves to see, you know, a, literally an adult, an adult, you know, male, male, male relationship. I mean, that that's fine. That's awesome. Well, you know it it's, yeah. it's, it's where we're we're getting there, and that's
2: how you and that's how you change people's minds honestly is by showing them that these things are possible and that they're real people, yeah, of course it's comics so they're not real people, but they act like real people, <laughs> you know I mean everybody says uh you know I mean, it doesn't matter what the star of the comic is, but if it's any type of underrepresented group, you know there's a large proportion of uh there's a school of thought that says, you know, it's obviously harder to be, you know, it's harder to be any type of, it's harder to hold on to any type of prejudice once you've actually met someone from that from that group and you can put a real face on it. It's not impossible, but it's harder. Uh, you know, some, you know, the, the the neighborhood that has no people of color in it, then they move in and they're shocked to find out that they're that they're actual people, and then they're just, they, you know, they're. Um, and that obviously, of course they should know that, but we're facing a reality right now that maybe they don't. But the fact is, is once there's a space on those things, I think it's, it's, it's harder to hold on to those prejudices. And That's what, that's what comics can do in some way too, you know,
0: no because you
2: are, you, you, you show people that, you know, whatever they may think like that these communities can move beyond stereotypes. And I, I wish in my heart that we weren't still at that point, but if we are, I think this is how we move past it is by is by
0: putting a human face in these things and showing again a commonality and experience uh, that we all have. I I agree and I and I do think that comics have been taking these baby steps in the right direction and it almost was as as you say they're not real people but I really do think too that that's been one of the great things of the last fifteen years is really this effort to get beyond the two dimensions of the comic book hero portrayal and really make them more human. You know, you had social relevance in the 70s, a bit of it in the 80s. Um but it really I I I really don't think until we got to this decompression uh period and beyond where it was like, hey, let's have them talk to each other as people and really get to know know these characters beyond the the cyphers and beyond the capes and masks and stuff. And I really think that that had to really kind of push through and there was resistance even to that and saying we don't want to read adult stories with these Kambu people. There was a certain portion of the audience. But I think that got adjusted and then thankfully I think it's followed through and we really are experiencing the people of color and of, of other orientations that are it's like, yeah, we're we're normal too. <laughs> we we have normal conversations and we can we could be super people as well. And and I think that's it's fantastic. It's great to kind of see that this is these these final like kind of Barriers are starting to come down. No, and
2: and I, and I hope they continue. You only have to go to a convention and see how excited people are to dress up like Kamala Khan to see that, you know, yep. that that good work is being done, you know, and, and I think that it's, I, I really do hope it continues. You know, I think that this, um, you know, the fact is, is that we don't all have to be exactly the same. But we're uh, this, we're alike in the ways that matter, and I think you know. I, I hope people, re, you know, we're we're getting all sort of high and, and off comics now, but I just you know that, that's what I think we're here to do. You know, I there's always a place for low calorie media. Certainly, I mean, I watch Ash versus Evil Dead every weekend. <laughs> Although it's that really low calorie, because the casting in Ash vs. Evil Dead* is actually very progressive, uh, despite the fact that there's a scene where he gets pulled to a corpse's ass. <laughs> um, but you know, at, at the same time, as long as these are the things, that ain't even something like that, I think is important because you never know what is going to what is going to show someone that they matter, and that's what and that's what fiction is for, you know, like. Me being young, nerdy and and, and and Jewish was very excited to see Jeff Goldblum be the star of Independence Day along <laughs> with Will Smith. Sure. You know. Um, sure. and I was very excited. and now I'm very excited to see him even in Independence Day too, because I'm like, Oh, maybe when I'm old I can still be nerdy and Jewish, you know. So
0: <laughs> Was it good? I uh, still have to it. Was it was it good? Um, oh, was it good? No, movie terrible.
2: But right. it's good that he's in it. <laughs> oh,
0: I, yeah, well, yeah, one of the <laughs> saving
2: graces was that he was in it. Sure, I would think. I mean, let's be clear. I would—that's a whole other topic and a whole other <laughs> podcast. But I, I don't even—I don't even—I don't even live in New York, and I was considering getting an apartment in New York when he was selling them. So
0: <laughs> for apartments dot com. So that's—I mean, you're killing. He has a strange power over me. Well, but honestly, it is kind of about <laughs> comics, as you say, because—or uh, to disagree slightly, because. You know, there's, there is this kind of weird pushback that's been happening since those Hugo Awards a year or two ago, and there is this portion of the pop culture audience that kind of is demanding to be heard and 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 really having some barriers of where they think stories should go and, and shouldn't go, more importantly. And that's why it's like, I, I don't understand. I mean, as you say, not every book should be for everyone, but I, I am interested in terms of you know, the, the people that, un, whether unfortunately or are like, fine, bring it on in terms of if they're getting any sort of pushback. And I am interested. Have you have you have you kind of had any pushback on, on your books from this this kind of newly vocal, um you know, group of segment of, of pop culture people who who don't like to see the progression that that's been going on?
2: Uh, and honestly, I did not, not as many as you would think, um. And I expected some. You know, I was, sure. when the came out, I was kind of hoping for my, my second Westboro Baptist Church uh, picket of my life. We got picketed in college, and I was hoping for one more, maybe one million moms. Like, I was ready to go. Sure, man. Uh, but, but we didn't get it. So, uh, which, you know, to be frank, it could either be at the sign of the times or the fact that no one's reading the book. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you like to think it's the sign of the times. Um. But it, it does happen. I mean, you only have to look at, you know, what went on with Chelsea Kane a couple of weeks ago yes. on Mockingbird yes. to see that it does happen. And, there, and the answer to that is maybe grim, but despite the fact that I'm bisexual, I'm still a white guy, and so I'm, I'm not the, potentially not the first person people go after with these things, um, which is uh, I wish weren't true. Um, <clears throat> but no, I haven't seen a ton of pushback, and, and, and if there has been, I mean fuck them. There's, there's nothing else to say. Uh, uh you know, I know that's that's kind of brusque but uh uh you know, I don't um there are literally thousands and thousands and thousands of books for those people that I'm not here to take away. Yeah. And none of us are.
0: No.
2: Um but other people deserve those books too. So Um, I, yeah, I mean, I've been very lucky to not have to deal with a ton of it. I had some guy today ask me if I was going to put Donald Trump in the JLA and I was like, all right, come on now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, it, it has been, I've been very lucky to avoid those things. It's, um, it's shocking to me how the internet has emboldened, uh, people who, I seemingly spend their entire day trying to ruin the days of other people. You know, I, I, have been, after the JLA announcement, I was tagged in multiple conversations, not directed at me, but, you know, thanking me for things that I had apparently done to, to hurt readers. And, you know, no matter how much I shot them down because of the roster, I mean, uh, and, you know, you would see that they would get blocked and they would make new accounts every day to go after these people. Um, you know, and they, like, what do they, what do they do with their day? And, and that brings me down. I would, I would gladly, I would gladly see a comics industry where, where, you know, people don't base their whole day around tearing down another comics in which they don't agree about the JLA roster, you know, and harassing people who are just standing up for, uh, you know, things that they believe in. There's people that, 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 have really passionate ideas about comic characters, obviously, and everyone should be free to express that. So, no, I haven't personally encountered a lot of it, but I have seen a lot of it.
0: Sure. And
2: it, it brings me down because, you know, again, like if you uh, if you stand up for something you believe in, um, you know, say like uh, the controversy. Um, it's not a controversy but say there's characters you really want on a team or something like that you have every right to believe that and and, and fight for that cuz those characters are important to you and and no one should get in the way of that especially in comics which god this was an outsider medium you know like or yeah. it's and it still is like this is this was this was in the 50s Korea, you know superman was created by jewish immigrants angry at the power structure yep uh i did when the 30s that's have sort of been when i said i apologize in the 60s i mean it was it was peter parker's a nerd like me and he can't make rent and he can't get the girl and now it's barbara gordon now it's kamala khan
0: yeah
2: so if you have these things that you're passionate about and characters you love like you should be able to love them and that brings me down you know um but i haven't faced a lot of it personally myself and my hope is that it goes away. I don't know what the answer is for that. <laughs> I mean, if I did, I would probably no longer need to work in comics, but um, when I see it, it does it does make me sad. Like, whether you whether you, I mean, you just should be free to express your opinions about a character, whether I agree with him, uh, whether whoever doesn't agree with him, like comics belong to everyone, so that type of stuff does get me a little riled up.
0: I hear you, man. And, and honestly, I appreciate you talking about it because it is in the air. It is. It has only been a week or so since the Chelsea Kane nonsense about about that and Mockingbird. And the good news is, I really do think, it, as you said, as these things are presented through art as normal, and also when people in a life experience see how normal it is and people are just people, I do think it goes away. And I do think that there is hope for the younger generations that are kids now that don't grow up with those kinds of, uh, stigmas and, and, and frustrations. And also, uh, the being, you know, the, unfortunately on the other side of the argument where, you know, uh, they feel like it should only be one kind of world and not a very accepting group. I really think that that those generations are dying out. And again, I think it's, it's, this is when art uh, needs to respond and and show the normalcy. I mean, you know, you God, my favorite Deep Space Nine episode, Star Trek, when uh, they they kind of give the homage to the to the fifties pulp science fiction stuff, and there's Benny Russell, you know, Avery Brooks' character from the fifties, just writing about a guy being on a on a space station and happens to be black and everything, and that it's normal, and the the things that he has to push against. I mean, it's you know, those are those are based on real kind of things. And I think, again, each community is kind of facing it and the dominoes are falling. And I think in the right way. So uh, I, well, I, uh, I, yeah, I think it I, is and, getting better.
2: And the other thing I'd say about the Chelsea case, I don't know Chelsea at all, you know, but I don't have I, but I don't have to to completely disown and, and detest the people that would drive her away from comics like I just don't. I, I have a strong well of pity for those people because you know, who, how are you in such a place where the mere existence of a character wearing a shirt with the word feminism on It is so threatening to you that you may have to organize these campaigns. Like I, I, it is, it's a detestable moment and I, and, and I don't, I'm not mean to get too serious about that, but it, it truly saddens me when people push other creators and other fans out of comics cause it's so antithetical. To what, uh, to what comics are about and what fiction is about. You know, I posted a thing when this was happening about how you know comics is a medium that saves lives, and some douchebag was like, "Oh, could you be any more pretentious?" And I said, "Well, yes, absolutely." <laughs> uh, but the fact is, is like, yeah, cool, bro. Like you can say that, but I've been on panels and I've been on in discussions, and I hear people talk about you know the moments. it's everything we've been talking about tonight john like i hear people talk about the moments where you know they read a story and realized that felt like someone understands them when they thought that no one else did yep so you know that's what we're and, and it changed their perception you know and so like that's what we're here for i mean we're here to tell exciting stories but we're here to do more than that too so uh, any time I see it like that, I really, I, I just, man, like those readers have no place in comics because everybody has a place in comics. So if you don't understand that, then I guess maybe not everybody because maybe not you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right.
0: Absolutely. No, I do know what you mean, man, because I've been in the audience for those panels and I do understand. And a, a, even just that uh, convention vibe. And certainly, again, when you, when you discover other people like what you like and it's suddenly like oh, you know, I'm not the only person. I'm really not alone. And I think, and that's why I agreed with a couple of the creators when uh, Chelsea Kane's thing came up and said, it's not comics, it's just a few assholes that are just being loud. And it's like, no, it really, I mean, and the brushback was, no, it is, you know, a lot of people have faced this. And it's like, no, 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 we understand, and I agree, and it's horrible that this happens. But the point is, no, the general message is, we all like this stuff. You're not alone. Welcome to the club. Sit down. And, and enjoy what we're all enjoying, and and we can even disagree and say, fine, if you don't like that, then there's plenty of books to read. Go over there and just don't, you know, shit on everyone else's good time. Because honestly, I think I think that is the message that especially this current generation of creators and publishers are really trying to get out there, and that's why. And I really do think ultimately, again, loud assholes. That's the way the internet works. But the good news is there's pushback by by people who understand. The bigger issue and say no they're wrong and we all kind of stand up and i mean uh, because i certainly gave my two cents on chelsea's behalf i don't know her either it only made me want to read because i wasn't reading mockingbird and i read i read all eight issues at the end i'm like jesus she's great i want to read more comics by this woman fantastic keep going she's funny they're 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 great stories man and i mean that's that's the important thing so no i honestly i appreciate what what might seem like a sidetrack but i do kind of think it's on everyone's mind because of what's happened in the last couple of weeks, so there
2: you go. No, certainly, certainly. Well, we're going to keep, and and it, it is going to keep getting better, as you said. That's yeah. the, that's the final note on that topic. Is there you go, man. Excellent. It is going to it is going to keep getting better because uh, we're all going to keep working, and you know we're not we're not stopping. Right, you guys aren't going. <laughs> no,
0: everyone's not going away. Exactly. Sorry for those loud people who might disagree. We're not going away. So that's awesome, man. Very cool. Well, listen, honestly. I think you're off to a great start with a namesake. Like I said, I think it's got a great uh, adventure bent to it, good action, and uh, I think really neat characterization, and again, coming at it from a different point of view, which is I think excellent. And uh, same same for Supergirl, man. I, I really think you're, you're breathing uh, great life into, into her, and it's it's, you know, I've been saying this about a lot of the DC Rebirth stuff. It's like, oh, there they are. There's those characters, and this is what made them great. And I really think, you know, I mean, were you given any note? As far as, like, Supergirl in terms of, or or was, you know, coming from you, this is what I want to do?
2: Well, there shouldn't be a conversation to be had. I mean, with with any work-for-hire project, to be clear, like, I don't want to say, like, oh, I just want to get notes on Supergirl. With any work-for-hire project, a book is always a conversation between the the property holder and and what you want to do as a creator. So, I mean, the answer is yes. I mean, honestly, of course I got notes on Supergirl and all these things, but that's part of the process because you know you have uh, you're there we're there as a team to actualize the best version of that character so so there, so there should be notes and there should be a discussion um, to make sure that we're getting to the core that everybody knows is, is what that character is about and whether it's Supergirl whether it's Midnight or Apollo whether it's uh, you know the characters in the Justice League of America whether it's balkan skull man like these things that's that's the process um you know because that conversation is what leads to that holistic version of the character that reminds people why they love them
0: very cool excellent we haven't really talked about justice league at all what uh what what you know what what can you tell me about justice league of america right now i I can't i'll I'll (laughs) confess i haven't been able to read everything so well, there's nothing out. So. Oh, that's OK. Excuse me. I'm and now I'm seeing the I am now seeing the uh, the headline you're taking over in December.
2: Uh, I'm launching just leave America in February. Oh excuse, so, oh, excuse me. Excuse so, me. So do not worry. Uh, there's nothing to have missed because it's not out yet. OK, um,
0: <laughs> what did the, you, uh, can I ask? it? Because you mentioned the roster and everything. And uh, have you put the roster out there? Yeah, no, that's that's public. The roster is Batman,
2: uh, Ryan Troy as the Atom, Vixen, Lobo, Black Canary, Killer Frost, and the Ray.
0: You know, Ray okay, Cheryl. all right. I do remember seeing this headline, dude. You know how you know how this is—the million headlines like pass by and stuff like that—and I was so focused on your current books, I, I forgot that it was your name that was attached to that team. So I can see. Well, some people... that's
2: because that's because, unlike me, you don't have a Google alert set up for my name. <laughs>
0: So, <laughs> so, so no, I can, I can understand some just, you know, I guess people want their meat and potatoes, man, when it comes to certain books. So I can see a slight frustration, you know, like frustration over it or like really that lineup, why and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm cool with it, but yet <laughs> I'm interested in, in seeing how Lobo obviously plays on the Justice League and stuff. Great to see Vixen, so Oh, man. yeah. You know, Ryan Choi, mean, it's about time, it's you know.
2: It's an exciting roster and also I mean it's 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 the sister book to Justice League. So the Big Seven that book exists and will right. continue to exist. But I think it's funny you know, we have yes, honestly I think one of the most uh one of the most diverse rosters the Justice League of America has had in a long time, but at the same time there's a lot of characters that have a legacy with the Justice League out there, which is also exciting to me. You know, I mean Victor was in the Detroit era. Yep. Adam was uh in the Gardner Fox era, obviously Black Canary, circa Wade and Kitson, was actually one of the founders of the Justice League. That's true. Uh, so there, there's a lot of things I find. Super. actually, the Ray was in the Justice League right before, my, either in the mid '90s or right before Morrison took over in '97. I didn't remember uh, I that. That's you.
0: fantastic. Okay.
2: So I think that there's, there's. I mean, and the book is a lot about celebrating all those things, and you'll see more as it comes out and we have four one shots in January uh, that set up uh, some of the, some of the lesser known characters. So we have four rebirth one shots in January with the atom, with Vixen, with Killer Frost and with, um, and with uh, the Ray. And, uh, you know, I think that'll set the table very nicely. Uh, being an eighties and nineties comic guy, I couldn't be more excited for the Ray to come back and still have his awesome ass jacket, which has aged beautifully. <laughs> uh, since the 1990s. But um, I, think it'll be, I think it'll be good. I mean, Justice League of America is going to do stuff and go places in the D.C.U. that I think you haven't seen in a long time. I, I've pretty well established myself as someone who, uh, you know, will pull some pretty minute details out of the D.C. universe. I'm well known for pitching characters to my editors that they don't know D.C. owns. <laughs> Excellent.
0: That's great. You know, I
2: fought real hard I fought real hard during Batman and Robin Eternal Summit to get Gossip Gertie into continuity and I did not win that fight.
0: <laughs> See I'm fifty, man. I, I remember these guys. Okay, I'm with it. Go on. That's excellent, man. Well
2: Gossip Gertie Well Gossip Gertie is the she's um it's Bob Kane's wife. She's from the movies. She's in, she's in Batman Forever. Right. And Batman and Robin, the yes, movie. Yes. And it's oh it's literally Bob Kane's wife. It's not a character based off of Bob Kane's wife, like Bob <laughs> Kane's wife played. She played,
0: played Gossip Security. That's fantastic. That's awesome, man. So
2: but anyway, so there'll be a lot of really, really fun stuff explored in Justice League of America. And uh Ivan Reyes is doing doing the initial uh, arc and will be announcing a lot more of the, the double shift, so obviously we'll have more than one artist working on it. Um, but we'll be announcing them soon and I just, I couldn't be more excited, man. Like JLA, I just, uh, JLA 97 was, um, the first, the first book I bought that was a modern comic, uh, during my, what became my sustained period of reading comics. Like I, I picked up a lot of flea market stuff in the eighties. The first book I ever bought actually was West Coast Avengers 16, A Tale of Two Kitties. Um, and then I got a lot of I like it too, You see, like you will know, now this will explain all my comics. Like, and then I almost got back in in 1992, buying the Clone Saga at Walden Books. <laughs> this, we didn't have a comic store by me. Um, and then, then it was the Clone Saga. So obviously, I got out for a couple of years because, goddamn, we all got out for a couple and, of and, uh, years. Uh, God, a <laughs> I know. And then there was an article in the Syracuse New Times about Superman getting new electric blue costume and electricity powers that, of course, are going to be his new powers forever. So I was like, (laughs) shit, I need to get back
1: and see what's going on here.
2: Uh, And and that's when I picked up uh, JLA. My first issue
0: that I bought was actually part two of Rock of Ages, which I still have. Oh, fantastic. Great storyline. Tremendous. Um,
2: So I'm to be writing JLA now is pretty surreal uh but I, I i aspire to to blow things up real good just like grant
0: and howard did since <laughs> i kind of owe my career since i kind of owe my career to them blowing things up so will this be your first double shipping uh book or has supergirl supergirl it's three issues i know so far but i wasn't sure if it was a
2: Supergirl's monthly. monthly i mean so yeah i mean ongoing yes Okay. I technically did. I technically did a semi-weekly, actually, for a month because I wrote all six issues of the Night of the Monsterman crossover that took place in September and October. So, and that was six issues over four weeks. So, <coughs> that was a fair amount of work. But yes, this will be my first uh, ongoing double book. Well,
0: you and I assume you obviously got some scripts in the bank already and stuff. But how is it balancing that with the other books that you're doing?
2: Uh well. Um, it's a lot of work but I already I mean between creator owned and the books I'm doing at DC that you know about and the books I'm doing that you don't know about uh-huh. I'm already doing I mean I'm basically doing a script a week forever and sometimes more so um, it, it doesn't the workload doesn't change as much as it's just about scheduling it because I can't humanly do more than one script a week
0: sure
2: um, it's just a question of which one I do on each week and, and making sure all the books get serviced Um that's not ideal, but uh, at the same time, like uh, there's so many characters I, I love in the DC universe that it's hard to it's hard to turn away. You know, I still haven't written Martian Manhunter He's my favorite character in comics
0: ever. How come no room for him in uh, Justice League of America then? Well, maybe there's other plans, man. Stay tuned. <laughs> Very good. All right. By the way, I really liked Rob Williams, uh, Martian Manhunter. Oh, I was so jealous when I
2: met him, and, and he got. And I found out that's what he was doing. If I could have sure. killed him and gotten away with it, I probably would have. But, but the book came out. That was the beginning of a beautiful friendship between myself and and Rob Williams, where, you know, he living in the UK is constantly shocked at the insane stories that come out of the state of Florida um, that I send him every week. Um, and the book, the, his Martian Manhunter, was was really really fun.
0: Yeah, man. What's your favorite uh, Manhunter run? I bet I know. I'm gonna guess. Can I guess? (sighs) Well, I was gonna gonna guess the Ostrander and uh, was it Tom? uh, Well, yes. Well, yes, because Ostrander and
2: Mandrake in general are one of my favorite creative teams ever, and I think the Spectre is one of the best one of the
0: best books DC's ever published. Could not agree more. Absolutely.
2: That doesn't get the attention it deserves, Uh, and I love. And yeah, I love Tom, and I love Tom, and. John's run on, on Manhunter. It's funny because I didn't know that much about comics back then. So, like, let's list the people that did fill-ins so on that book that I was like, God damn it, who the fuck are these people? Including Brian Hitch, uh, you know, Eduardo Barreto, people who now, yes. I am like, oh, my God. Yes. But at the time, I was like, bring me Tom Mandrake. And Tom is a close friend, and I love his work with time. It's just funny that I was like, Brian Hitch, get out of here, man. Like... <laughs>
0: Uh, Good Tom back there. Absolutely. That actually, that
2: that's probably, that might be one of my favorite issues of Martian Manhunter. There's a, there's a, whatever issue he did, or John did with Hitch is set in the one million timeline where John is, John has become the entire planet Mars. And it's basically Rashomon about Martian Manhunter with three different aliens. And uh, it's a really cool issue. If you've either read it or you haven't well, read it, ha- no,
0: I hadn't read it. I, I kind of missed all the one million issues. That's when I was checked out and hadn't. Well, contacted. this is the thing. Like you know? it wasn't. It's not the actual one million issue. They went back to that timeline uh, later just
2: for this thing. It's oh. cool. I mean, like you'll you'll find it. The whole thing is basically like it's these three aliens get caught in a cave during a sandstorm. They all tell. I mean, it's so much like. Ra- I mean, like I said, it is Rashomon. We That's all tell awesome. their story about Martian Manhunter, and they say, "Oh, well, your story could never be true. This is what he's like." And obviously, so those are it's all very different because uh, uh, they all have different views of what strength is. It's a really tight issue. Cool uh, to check out, but yeah, John is one of my one of my favorites. It's kind of Nirvana right now that we can watch Supergirl and see him on screen mm-hmm. talking to Superman and Supergirl like it's nothing.
0: Could not. So, it's a big. More. Uh,
2: it's a big jump from the days where I was just being satisfied by David Ogden Steers
0: playing him on a VHS tape that I bought at a flea market. <laughs> that movie, absolutely. Oh, I know. Poor John. Too many Oreos in that uh, version of the movie. He's a little too poorly oh, to be on that note, Man. there's On that note, another guy that
2: I poo-pooed, and now I'm an idiot for poo-pooing, in that Marsh Manhunter run, one shot by Doug Monkey and John Ostrander and Marshall Manhunter about his obsession with Oreos. So it's yes. anyway, but going back to look at that run, it's crazy the talent that worked in that book. In addition to Tom and John, who I think, are, as I said, one of the one of the best teams that have, have ever come together to make comics.
0: Have you had a Have you had a chance to talk to Ostrander much?
2: Uh, Yeah, well, I met John for the first time at the Suicide Squad after party and oh, uh, help, and, and actually helped to get him through to meet Viola Davis because I was like, this guy created
0: exactly. I'm getting to Waller. Maybe you should let him through. He's. I love John because he's such a quiet guy, and and yeah, I've I've had similar experiences introducing him to creators. It's like, oh, I don't know if you want to meet me. It's like John. Everybody loves you. Everyone thinks you're like you are one of their guys. I'm like this current generation of writers. They all read your stuff, man, and you were you know you were doing. Really great stuff at a time when there was a lot of good stuff and a lot of crap too. And I said, and, uh, you know, you're like one of the well, hidden gems, man." I, absolutely. Well, his—I mean, I just can't. You know, the industry has changed, right? And sure. The fact that
2: the fact that he got sixty—they got close to sixty issues. I forget exactly how many issues are Inspector, but <clears throat> sixty round issues to do that book, and like the last issue after all that time is mostly just him sitting over that snowy field as like the snow blows away and all the skulls slowly become visible. Like that's a beautiful issue. And I really, I wonder if you could get that out today or, or it would be too subtle or, you know, the the build would be too slow, but that book is really, really special. And obviously it comes in the fact that, that John has, you know, a past with um, the church and things like that and his own sort of wrestling with things like that. But it's a, uh, it's a really special book. I can't say enough about it. I, if there was an omnibus, I would be holding it right now.
0: I couldn't agree more. And you know, you could say the same thing about a lot of the books that he wrote in the, in the '80s and early '90s, in particular, too. I mean, he was just—he's nah, amazing. And then, of course, goes to Dark Horse and writes really great Star Wars stuff too. You know, so no, John's John's pretty amazing. That's awesome, man. Very cool, dude. I, I really appreciate the time. I don't want to keep you longer because you're you're an hour ahead of me, and I don't want to I don't want to mess up your entire evening. But uh, thank you. I, I, I really I love Namesake. I think it's a great first issue, and I, I encourage people to check it out from Boom. And uh, I think people are anticipating your Justice League of America. And Supergirl and Midnighter and Apollo are, are excellent. I like what I'm reading, sir. Keep it up. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. That's Steve Orlando. Check out Namesake from Boom Comics. Uh, it came out uh, last Wednesday. And, of course, uh, Supergirl continues and is uh, great. Namesake is fantastic. I absolutely recommend you check it out. And a good first issue, and I think it gives a good setup and will uh, give you what you're looking for in terms of, uh, you know, all right, what's this book all about and stuff. I think it delivers on that first issue quite well. Uh, And Midnighter and Apollo, of course. And then coming up uh, in uh, January, uh, Justice League of America, and it sounds like uh, Steve's got some other stuff in the works from DC and uh, probably some other creator-owned stuff. So I I look forward to our next conversation. Good guy. We we spent another half hour or so talking boxing and a few other of my favorite uh, uh, pastimes, and it's nice to hear that uh, that's another guy that uh, is into some of those sports. I'm excited. I don't know if you guys know, but if you're at all interested in boxing uh, and haven't been paying attention to the sport, um, there was a lot of promise with the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight that uh, didn't come through. There's a great matchup on Saturday night, and it is a pay-per-view fight. But literally, this is the best matchup in boxing. Sergey Kovalev and uh, Andre Ward for the light heavyweight title. Uh, both guys are amazing. Andre Ward was in Creed and is the uh, California fighter that knocks baby Creed on his ass. Uh, if you, and I guess that might be a spoiler if you haven't already seen the movie. But if you haven't, then you probably weren't going to see the movie. But he's in the early part of, uh, of Creed, Andre Ward. And uh, great fighter, great middleweight, has been a very outstanding light heavyweight as well. Sergei Kovalev is absolutely for real an incredible fighter, great range, great chin, amazing punching power. Both guys have great punching power. Both guys know how to punch in combinations. The, and they're both in their prime, unlike Pacquiao Mayweather, where you know clearly Pacquiao was probably a, a year or two, or if not three or four, past his prime. Uh it's, it's great that this match happened. I urge you, if you're a fight fan at all, to probably check this out. I don't even know who's going to win. I can't predict a winner. But I'm really excited about this fight, and it's coming up this Saturday as we're speaking, the, uh, the 19th. So uh, anyway, uh, great to talk to Steve, and I hope he does come back. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of WordBellin, and I hope uh, you uh, took my, uh, my comments about what's going on right now in stride. Believe me, back to back to fun. Next episode, Honestly, I I was the same way when I was listening to podcasts this week. It's like, man, everybody almost feels obligated to talk about what happened uh, with the presidential election. Uh, But again, I really do feel like it it reflects what's been going on in comics. And that's not going to go away um, because I do find it, A, interesting, and B, uh, it's important to remember that this should be for everybody. And I'm a big believer in that. And I know you are too. So no matter where you are on the political spectrum, I, I really do. I think, you know. My my Word Balloon listeners feel the same way that I do. So, preach it to the choir. In any case, Word Balloon was brought to you by InStockTrades at InStockTrades.com. Uh, lots of great uh, new books are out uh, from InStockTrades. Um, you know, they even have, how about this? There's an Archie trade paperback out uh, from Dark Horse. It's the Archie archives. Double date and other stories. It's a trade paperback. And, uh, man, this is uh, some of the fun stuff from the 40s of Archie. Uh, when Harry Sale was uh, the Archie writer and artist. 42% off. It's just $11.49. You can get the War of Kings omnibus, which laid a lot of groundwork uh, for the Guardians of the Galaxy and also, of course, had the Inhumans in there and uh, the Nova Corps and uh, everybody. Very, very interesting stuff. And uh, we talked to Andy Schmidt about War of Kings because he was the editor of that. Um, well, there's now a War of Kings Omnibus hardcover 42% off, it's just $72.50 Lots of great Marvel cosmic in that collection You can also get uh, the Marvel Masterworks uh, Doctor Strange Volume 7 And where's Volume 7 uh, have? Uh, man, this is when uh, Roger Stern was uh, writing uh, Doctor Strange Man, Roger Stern And I know I haven't had him yet on Word Balloon It'll happen, and I really want it to happen you know, how, how vastly underrated is that guy? He Everything he wrote, really. So much good stuff. But um, this Doctor Strange masterwork includes the return of the Ancient One. So if uh, you're sad about what happened in the movie, uh, you can pick that right up and uh, enjoy uh, these issues from uh, issue 23 to issue 37. It's uh, Roger Stern, Tom Sutton, Jim Starlin, Ralph Macchio uh, editing. And uh, really good stuff. Uh, this is uh, 50% off, just $37.00 and $0.50. You can get, how about uh, this uh, reboot of uh, Sugar and Spike, MetaHuman Investigations. Keith Giffen has uh, put the new spin on Sugar and Spike, Uh, not the sweet little mop tops they used to be. And uh, this collection is 42% off, it's just $8.69. You can also get uh, the Sandman Overture trade paperback, Uh, J.H. Williams on art, of course, Neil Gaiman, the writer, uh, this is pretty neat stuff, and it uh collects the entire mini-series plus bonus material. 42% off, just $11.59. All from InStockTrades.com. Check it out for yourself. Great deals are waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to today's Word Balloon. You know, I'm sorry. I meant, you know, as I said, oh, there's another episode in just a couple of days. Well, it's been a couple of days, but it was a lot longer than I expected. I was hoping to get it out by the end of last week, and here I am Monday night cranking this episode out. But... uh Fear not. More great episodes are coming up uh, this month in November and uh, certainly in December. Seven weeks left in the year, and uh, we're going to go out guns blazing. Lots of great conversation. New people, returning people, uh, classic guests. Uh, hopefully a couple uh, interesting little things. i got to get the clearance from the creators, and if it happens, uh, we're going to do a couple time warp episodes of some unreleased material that I think you'll find fascinating and I th- thought would be fitting for the end of the year. Uh, 2016, man. Oof! I saw. Did you see John Oliver? He had a very funny bit at the end of the show. Fuck 2016. And I say that as some, uh, someone that was very happy that the Cubs won. It figures, you know. You always say when hell freezes over, the Cubs are going to win the World Series. Man, it's been that kind of year. Leonard Cohen passing away. Ugh oh, just, just so sad, man. Well, don't worry. At least you got good entertainment coming from Ward Balloon. I promise you that in the days and weeks ahead, and uh, hopefully uh, a little tiny wimey thing uh, going back ten years. That uh, if I get the clearance, I think you guys are really going to enjoy. Have a have a great couple days until the next episode, and uh, thanks a lot for listening. More fun coming along the way. Word balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright fuck 2016.